Welcome to the Steve Witt Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Steve Witt. How are you doing? We've had a little bit of a separation here, but we're back. I'm into right now talking about flourishing, but specifically in line with financial flourishing. I don't know about you, but when I think of flourishing, a couple things come to my mind. One is flowers, you know, flourishing, uh, springtime, you know, things like that. But the other part of it is that immediately comes to mind is finances, financial flourishing, that you're prospering, that things are going well. And so this past Sunday, I spoke on this particular topic and uh, went to 3 John, verse 2 through 4. You know, the, the famous New Testament greeting that was way beyond a greeting. It was something of a state of mind. John the Apostle is speaking this and he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. So two key things that John is speaking of. He is the, is the beloved. He is the, the one that Jesus loved tremendously. He's the one that laid his head upon Jesus' chest. They were very close friends. He was a, uh, a young uh, uh, protege to Jesus. And he makes this greeting after becoming an old man. This is the way he would greet his friends. I pray, I pray that you may prosper in all things. So it is important to prosper and to be in health. That's pretty important too, especially as you get older. And then it says something a little bit peculiar. It says, just as your soul prospers, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that you may prosper in all things things, not some things, all things, and be in health just as your soul prospers. So the immediate deduction is, is that your soul prospering, the prospering of your soul is somehow deeply integrated with what happens to you in your personal prosperity of life, which includes finances. It includes relationships. It includes a lot of different things that you may prosper in all things. It's kind of like the word shalom. It's not not the word shalom, but it's similar to it in that it's more of an all-inclusive word. It's not just about peace, shalom, peace. It's not just about that. It's about a broader peace that comes to your entire being. Well, prospering is very similar to that in that you prosper in all things as your soul prospers. So here's what you get out of that. If my soul prospers, my outer life will prosper. If my, if my spiritual affected soul by the Holy Spirit, affected by the Holy Spirit, prospers and is in good health, then I will prosper and be in good health in my temporal realm. That's what I draw from it. Now, this is very important because what you think, now remember soul traditionally in the understanding of Scripture theologically is your mind, will, and emotions. How does your mind, how does your will, and how do your emotions, how does it prosper and be in good health? Because it's important to know that because if that prospers, then you will prosper and be in good health. It's as your soul prospers. So you've got to strengthen your soul. Now, this is a promise. It doesn't mean that God doesn't prosper people whose soul is weak or you're you're surviving on milk when you should be on eating meat, as it says in Corinthians, you know. Uh, it's not just about that. I mean, God graciously gives us good things. You know, we ask for bread. He doesn't give you a stone. We ask for fish. He doesn't give you a serpent. How much more when you ask the Holy Spirit, will he give it to you? So 
God will bless you, but there's something about you partnering with God in the control of your soul. Say that with me. Control my soul. Your soul is being controlled by other people around you right now. It's being controlled by social media. It's being controlled by people you don't even know. It's being controlled by major corporations in America that target you to sell products and services. Your soul is being controlled. Government's even trying to control your soul a little bit about about who raises your children, what you can and can't say, how can you stay uncancelable in this culture? Say this, say that, don't say this, don't say that. So your soul's being controlled and leaned upon by culture all the time. You've got to take a hold of your soul. You've got to control your soul. Your mind is your mind. It's been given to God. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. You know, I've said that before. It's right out of Scripture. So controlling my soul is about getting in the Word of God, my my mind, being transformed in my mind. We learn these things. If there's going to be any mind control, let it be of God coming into your mind. If you're going to be brainwashed, may you be washed by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God as He washes over you. Don't let everyone else control who you are and thereby control your circumstances. They take control of your mind. They're going to take control of your circumstances. If your mind is freed to the limitless God, you will be freed to the limitless God. In him we live and move and have our being. But if you allow the government or those around you or your culture or even your friends that have good intentions but may control your mind, think this, don't think that. Why did you say that? Why are you like that? May the Spirit of God shape you through His precious Word and through His presence and through the community of believers that are of like mind. May that shape your mind into a spiritual entity. I don't know that we're sure that the soul itself is a spiritual entity. I mean, I know our spirit has been born again, and the power of the Spirit combined with the Spirit of God, the Spirit is the eternal component of who you are, the triune aspect, spirit, soul, body. Eventually, you'll get a new body. But it says in the Bible, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed to the renewing of your mind. So there's part of you that you either get conformed or transformed. It's up to you. You say, I have no control over it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have a spirit that has been quickened by God himself. You are raised from the dead. Your spirit was dead according to the epistles and the touch of the power of the blood of Jesus came upon you. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens even your mortal body. Your spirit determines where you're going and your spirit is guided by the Holy Spirit that was given to us by God. He is our helper. He is our defender. He is our guide. The word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You've heard me talk about that many times. So get with it, Christian. Come on. Quit drinking the milk. Get into the meat. Partner with God. Don't just sit and say, well, someday God will change me into what? No, no. These are mind locks. You got to get these mind. Let me tell you something about the mind. There are fortresses being built in your mind. Not all of them are bad. The fortress you're supposed to be building is based upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And that cornerstone of Jesus Christ gets two or three other cornerstones in it. Those cornerstones are the Word of God. Cornerstones are the community of the believers. 
The cornerstone can be several different things. And around that, you start to build a fortress of understanding. You are building yourself up in Christ Jesus because you are the temple of the Lord. You're being built up as a fragrance. Sacrifices coming up out of this temple. Glorious sacrifices of generosity that are coming up into the nostrils of God and pleasing God and pleasing heaven by your lifestyle. May when Jesus returns or you die and you come into his presence, may he say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know what he said? He said that the people who multiplied what they had. God has given you something. May you not sit on it. May you not bury it in the sand. May you not put it in a hanky. But may the Lord come. May the master return knowing that you did his business. Do my business till I come. Occupy till I come. Occupy is not just sitting around. (laughs) Occupying is doing what God called you to do. The identity, the destiny, the legacy that is set upon you. Do it. Stretch yourself out. You say, it's going to be, I don't, I don't know that I can do it. That's a stronghold. That stronghold you need to bring down. Strongholds of Scripture, strongholds of the Spirit of God, the presence of God, strongholds of the community of the saints that you build upon and you build something strong that will hold you, like Psalm 84, from strength to strength. It will hold you through the difficult times that may come in our future. Can you stand firm? Or will you fall off by the wayside? Will you find out that your spirit is made up of simply wood, hay, and stubble? Or is it gold, silver, and precious stone? May the fires come. May they burn. May they burn away the things that are burnable. And may they make better the things that are there. So how do we do this? What's our finances? I'm going to talk more about it in future podcasts that that your finances are actually spiritual training. I know that sounds wild, but... Money is the one thing in the word that try to, tries to compete with God. Do not serve God and mammon. Do not be a slave of mammon. We are slaves to God. We're not to be a slave of mammon. Slave of mammon is that it occupies your mind day and night. You're worried about what am I going to do? Or somehow you got in deep debt and now you're gripped by debt. You're in debt and you're constantly agonizing over your debt. You are not serving God in that moment. You are serving the debt. You're occupied by debt. Your hope is to get an instant release and sometimes for whatever purpose. God gives people instant release. But if they have not built the constructs of understanding how this world works and how we live as spiritual beings on this world, if you don't understand that, you don't understand the power of giving, and you don't understand how money works, and you don't understand how to multiply money, which God wants us to learn, learn how to invest. Learn how to multiply your money. Learn how to spot what is good and what is evil. Isn't that part of what God calls us in the Spirit? To have our senses trained by the Word of God that we're able to discern between the marrow of our bones? We're able to discern between good and evil? God calls us to that. That's what mature Christians do. You know, I've got a son and three daughters, and honestly, they're, I mean, they're in their 30s and 40s. Uh, and they, they're all successful, you know, in one way or another in whatever they're involved in. And they're doing great, and I'm very proud of them. 
But if there's always coming to me saying, Dad, I need money, Dad, I need money, and periodically everyone needs a little little push or a little help. But by the time you get in your 40s, you know, you should you should be the lender and not the borrower if you've done the right things. And I understand that bad things happen to good people, and I, I'm not bring, here to bring any condemnation whatsoever. I'm here to encourage you. Even if you've gone bankrupt, rise up out of the ashes. God will give you beauty for ashes. He leans toward all things being beautiful in its time. Do not get discouraged. You can still make it. I love the story of Dave Ramsey, the, the, the great preacher of the, of the how to handle your finances and get out of debt in America. It's, it's so good to Dave Ramsey. If you don't know his stuff, follow him and learn his stuff. He has little reels every day he sends out, and they're going to encourage you and give you practical advice on how to handle money and help you flourish, help you prosper. We got to get rid of these these uh, mind locks, the the mindsets that grow up in our mind that keep us. Do you understand? From the beginning of time, one of the first mandates in Genesis was be fruitful and multiply. Do you think the Lord said? Because you know they didn't have money then. Money was not <laughs> money. The fruitfulness was the issue, not money. The Lord didn't say, "Look, I put you in this garden. I've given you all these trees." And they're all good. One tree you're not allowed to eat from. You know, I know you're going to be tempted, but don't eat from the tree. It'll bring death. But all the thousands of other trees, you can eat whatever you want. He didn't say that and then say, look, and here's a thousand bucks. I hope you make it. No, money wasn't in the, the, the currency of the New Testament, of, of the book of Genesis, was trusting in God and following his ways and understanding the provision that he has already given you and walking in that provision and be fruitful and learning how to multiply, to tend and keep so the garden didn't die all around you, to understand that you've been planted in something very beautiful, flourish, bear fruit. I'm telling you right now, there's 10X in your life. There's 10 times the potential that you think you have right now. I, I can almost prove that right now scripturally, but we don't have time. That God's wanting you to multiply. I mean, he he loves he loves multiplying 30, 60, 100 fold. I mean, he loves that stuff. He loves taking a few fish and a few bread and and feeding five or four thousand. I mean, he loves that. He loves taking water, water in water pots and converting them to wine and producing 180 gallons of wine. He loves telling fishermen, look, just I know you fought, you you've wrestled all night, you caught nothing. Just Throw on the other side of the boat. I think it's going to be really good for you. And they do that. And boom, 153 fish, record catch. I don't know what that represents. Uh, someone out there may know some theologian and annual income, but that was a strong catch. Good fish. You hang out with Jesus, abundance come. You hang out with Jesus, you get your tax money in a fish's mouth. You hang out with Jesus, even if you die, the soldiers will gamble over your garment because it's worth more money than the average guy. Jesus was not a poor man. I'm not saying he was a wealthy man. I personally believe he was, but I'm not saying that. But I know the requirements of a rabbi were pretty high. He had to support himself and his, his entire tribe that went around with him. So by age 30, Jesus had prepared for that and was dependent also for the Holy Spirit to show up powerfully in his life because he was walking the life that we're intended to walk. If you listen to this podcast, particularly over the next seven or eight podcasts, I'm going to help answer questions for you. I want to strengthen your soul. 
That means we need to learn how to think. That's the mind. The will needs to be worked on. How to decide. How to discern between good and evil. How to say yes and no. And how to live in the the world of yes and yet periodically say no and be at peace with it. Filtering your choices through the Holy Spirit. And how you feel. I mean, so many Christians are led by their emotions. It's the weakest part of the soul. You are a milk drinker if you do that. Do not let your emotions lead you. Some people feel, well, I felt this. And I get feeling stuff in the Holy Spirit. I really do. I wrote a couple books on it. You know, you've got to learn, though, what the feeling is, what the senses of the Holy Spirit are. No, not what your personal senses are. God can use your personal senses But I'm telling you, your personal senses should be the last dependency on your guidance in life. There's got to be some bigger things that are spoken to you, particularly the Word of God, dreams, visions, and understanding that you clearly know are God and are filtered through a loving community that has a similar culture. But you're saying, oh, I felt this. I ate pizza last night. I felt I'm going to sell my house and I'm going to move to Africa. You're going to run into deep trouble if you do that. Because you're moving on your own senses. Your soul is weak. The spirit is strong with the power that lets your spirit take over your soul, no longer being uh, conformed to the world, but being transformed unto a renewing of your mind. Your mind is the most powerful part of your soul. When your mind changes, your will changes. Sometimes your will leads, and I'll talk about that in the days ahead, but Your will needs to be corralled into the presence and understanding of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Otherwise, you'll you'll just move by your will. Jesus was very clear, not my will, but your will be done. He questioned it. Lord, can this thing pass from me? And very quickly, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So I get that we all have that thought, well, Lord, is this, can you delay this? Can you... Lord, can this be for another time? Can it just not happen at all? But sometimes we walk through the valley of the shadow of death just to be with Jesus, just to feel the intimacy of his touch, his courage in your life. Walk through it. You will not be burned. So your will needs to be filtered through the Holy Spirit. How you feel, the weakest part of your soul, needs to be on automatic pilot from your spirit that is baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. It's almost as if the Spirit of God speaks through you and says, this is the way we are going. I love that the Word of God says he's a lamp unto my feet. His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why is that important? It's because it's how you're guided. Where do you get your guidance? Are you getting your guidance from the Lord? Are you getting your guidance from from astrology? Are you getting your guidance from friends and just their circumstances and what the world says? We'll do this and do that. And by the way, some of what the world says is not bad. There is wisdom that's in the world, but you've got to discern it. If you go with cultural wisdom right now in the United States of America, you could mess up really bad. Because right now, cultural wisdom, much of it is outside the purposes of God and even contrary to the Word of God. You know, you live with somebody, somebody the opposite sex, because uh, we save money that way. I talked to someone recently. I live with somebody, but but uh, I, I don't have sexual relations with them. Well, first of all, I'm not sure I believe that. 
There may not be intercourse, but there's something going on there. There's someone you're attracted to and you're moving together and two, you get engaged. I mean, this stuff is happening in the church. This is not right. The Bible says to avoid the very appearance of evil. That's the appearance of evil. And if, and if you don't know that, you will eventually fall into that trap. There's a reason why it says the enemy crouches at our door. When you get him, when you allow the enemy not at your door, but in your door, not that your your person you love is the enemy, but the temptation that will come with that is the enemy. You say, well, I could get tempted just as easy out on a date. I don't think so. I've been married 45 years. I think that when that person that you love, you feel you have a future with, they move in with you just to save money, you're making a uh, a beginner's mistake. But that mistake can become a huge mistake. You may not even marry that person. You may break up. Then what? You invited this person into your life. I mean, you become bonded to them in some spiritual, emotional, or even physical way. You just don't get out of that easy. So you are you are guarded. I'm not saying that you're afraid and moving in fear. Everyone wants to think that any kind of restriction you bring upon your life is out of fear. No, it's not. Read the epistles. Read read the uh, read uh, Jesus' direct words. Read the red in the New Testament. There are things you do to help yourself get fortified against the day. The Bible calls it the day. The day that judgment comes, the day the fire comes, the th- day that things get tight, the things you, the day that you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that day of temptation that comes upon you, that you are able to resist the devil, rebuke the devil, and he will flee. You can't do that if you're weak-willed. You can't do that if you're moving by emotions. So right now, get this thing straightened out. You have got to follow the plan. You've got to follow the word of God. You've got to get your will in order. You say, wait a minute, i got to do something. I thought this is all Jesus. Of course it's Jesus. Your salvation was through Jesus Christ. You had to make a decision, though, to receive his precious blood. It's a partnership from heaven. And now that you're saved, now that you're born again, use the power of Christ to change your life. Use the power of Christ to become a son or daughter of God so that you say, you know what? I'm going to get this together because I want to please the Lord. The Lord already loves you dearly, but this isn't about that. Yes, we're accepted by God, but we love the approval of heaven. We love to live a life that is of sweet fragrance in the nostrils of God. So we're getting it together. We're learning how to do this. We're learning how to understand money because money is so powerful. We can't serve God and money. We've got to make a decision. And if you make the right choices, which I'll help you with in the coming weeks, you make the right choices. Listen to us on Sunday morning at BethelCleveland.com. I do live streaming every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern time, United States. You can catch that. I'm speaking on finances Over the next two months, it's a good time to tune in and then get the podcast during the week. We're trying to drop it on Wednesday. We'll see if we can do that, which I'll cover things that I don't, am not able to cover on Sunday morning and hopefully a little more practical aspects of what you're doing. But we are learning how to walk with money, how to live with money, how to, I want to not be a slave to money and debt. In fact, I want to turn money into my servant. I worked most of my life for money. 
That's what you do. You make an exchange of your time, your energy, and your expertise for a little piece of paper. A little piece of paper, you're able to buy stuff to get food and things like that. It's crazy, but it works. And so literally that money is your blood, sweat, and tears. And so I worked my lifetime, you know, a long time, probably, I don't know, 30 years, whatever, whatever it was. I mean, I'm 66 right now, but I worked a long time and, and still do. I still get paid for things that I do, but I eventually flipped it where money is working for me. In fact, if you start investing now for your future, you are actually prophesying over your future. Now, obviously, we trust in the Lord, but the Lord is partnered with us. The Lord is not angry about money. The Lord wants you to use that money to learn spiritual lessons and to build wealth in order to help and touch and minister to people around you. Yeah, 30, 60, 100 fold. Do my business till I come, occupy till I come. All the parables talk about, you know, the number one topic of all topics in the parables is money and the handling of money, increase, abundance, flourishing. It's a big thing. Psalm 1, I preached on it here before. Follow some of my, I don't remember it was, but the Steve Witt uh, podcast, go, go check it out. I touched all this a little bit before, but I'm specifically talking about money now. Learn how to manage money. Understand, become as wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove, and there's things you can do to train your soul that will teach your senses. Your soul is a filled slate right now, and it needs some erasing. <laughs> you need to bring down some strongholds of thought that are already there that came from parents, friends, coaches, reading, training, education, wherever you got it. You got to erase some of these things, thoughts about money, and rewrite right now. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. You got to change your mind. Here's some mind locks, about, mind locks about money or mindsets about money. Money is evil. No, it's not. The love of money is evil. Money will cure my problem. No, it won't. Listen to my Sunday message from this past week and uh, in August of uh, 2023. And I talk about how uh, money will not cure your problem. Your problem is discipline and self-control. Your problem is a weak soul. When your soul gets stronger, and you're you're going deeper in Christ, and the fruit of the spirit is the fruit of the spirit. The ninth fruit of the spirit is self-control. It's like the last thing on the list. You got to learn love, joy, peace, things like that. But it is a fruit of the spirit. So somewhere in your future is self-control. I mean, even my physical body. You know, I had to come to a place. I, I'm 66 years old, so it was six. I'm 64, I think, when I started to get really serious about my health. I uh, waited until I had other problems, you know, and then thought, oh, I need to do something about this. I was weak in that part of my soul. I had no control over the temple, my physical body, and I had to take control of it. Now, this may be the next thing I talk about. So get ready. <laughs> you got to get your money in order because it brings praise to God. Those that, who do not know God will rejoice in the abundance and the flourishing that is brought into your simple life and into my simple life. They see that there's a favor upon them. There was light in Goshen when there was no light in Egypt. There's something that shines out of a believer that is that is experienced with, with health and strength and might and blessing and favor and all those things. And if you don't have those things right now, it doesn't mean you're evil. It means you're struggling and we, we need to help everyone. I need help with this all the time. 
all of us has somebody that's ahead of us down the road that speaks back to us and says, come on, keep walking, keep going. They prophesy over you. They encourage you. They give you tools. Do those tools. It's not just sitting on, laying on the floor on a Sunday night like, woo, I felt the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing. I love that. But when you get up, you still have to go to work Monday morning. So what's going on at work? Are you maintaining your job? Are you working as a person that is working as if unto the Lord? Are you treating your job as a gift from God? Are you treating your job as a pathway to wealth? Because the best best tool you have, best tool you have for wealth building in the future is your job. You may do a lot of side hustles, and we'll talk about that maybe in the weeks to come. Side hustles or whatever, that may be your part of your bridge to to going to being in a greater flourishing moment. I won't even say wealth right now, although I'm I'm pursuing perceived wealth. Not, not because of money itself, but because of the doors that open up, the opportunities that I have that come in our culture because of having enough greenbacks to back you up. It's not so I can just get a better, bigger car, better vacation, whatever. I may do some of that stuff, but it's it's kingdom. It's kingdom. I'm learning to give. I'm learning to tithe. I'm learning all those things. The Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. We have no business with it anyway. Give it back to God. You say, well, can I go to heaven without tithing? Sure, but why would you do that? Because there's a huge blessing that comes with tithing. <laughs> tithe and see. The Lord challenges. The only thing he challenges with in the Bible, see if I will not bless you and open the, the windows of heaven. Prove me in this. Go ahead and try that out. See what's happening. So we have mind locks about stuff that money's evil, money's corrupt. No, no, no. It's it's neutral. You can use it for good. It's like the internet. You can use it for good. You can use it for evil. Money will corrupt me. Yes, it will if your soul is not strong. So don't win any big money while you've got a weak soul. You're going to blow it. I, I read statistics Sunday that I think it's 70 percent of people that win the lottery within a number of years short, I, I don't have it right in front of me. I think it's three years. Regardless of what they won, within three years, they're bankrupt. What? Not me. I wouldn't do it. No, 70%. You probably would. Because those who have a construct of wealth, if they win the money, they've already known how to make money, what to do with money. What's the tricks of this side of heaven? Tricks, obviously, within the law. What's the, what's the, the, uh, uh, the hack to money that allows me to create wealth. Learn some of those things. Understand, get a mentor, get a money mentor. I've had one my kind of my whole adult life, people that I've referred to for financial mentorship that give me opportunities, give me understanding. Friendship opens understanding. You can grow wealth by getting the right friends, getting around them and learning how to deal with money. Don't just say a mind lock is like, I don't know anything about money. Money scares me. Uh, my dad didn't have any money. My mom did. Those, those are understandable excuses, but they will not carry you into where you need to go. So drop the excuses. Embrace the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the presence of God, and let Him begin to transform your thinking because we are building a new skyscraper in your mind, and it's called flourish. It's called abundance. It's called lacking nothing, no loss, no lack, no limitation. You can move in that direction. You say, what if I'm never a millionaire? You don't have to be a millionaire. You could be a millionaire and, and be miserable. Or you can be a millionaire and be happy. You can be poor and be miserable. And you can be poor and be happy. 
But we know that when you follow Jesus Christ, particularly in the world as it is right now, where there's so much abundance and so many negative things have already been checked off where you don't even have to worry about it. You have fresh water. You have a place to live. You have food. You have people that love you. Whatever you have right now, it's a blessing of the Lord. It advances you way above generations prior to us. Now, let's learn how to use the money, increase for the sake of our family and our children and our legacy. So, God will advance me when I'm ready. That's a stronghold. God will advance you right now. Are you ready? I'm making what God wants me to make. That is a stronghold. I think it's a lie. You got to bring that thing down, raise it up against the knowledge of God, something good. That's not the knowledge of God. God dreams the biggest and best things for you. He loves you. You know how I know that? I know that in nature. I know it from scripture too. I mean, he plans for us a a good future with hope in it. I mean, it says it in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. So what we dream things about our lives. You say, what if you if you die and you didn't achieve your dreams? Oh, well, then I'm with Jesus. Who cares? In fact, I love the prayer of St. Patrick. I've repeated it before, but he used to pray to God. He said, St. Patrick from the 5th, 6th century said, said Lord, uh, keep, keep me in health that I may fulfill your dream. It's not about my dream. It's about his dream. Let's fulfill his dream, and then we'll go to be with him. That's a good deal. So I don't have an education. Get one. You don't have to go to university or college. Get a mentor. Some, some, some of them are free. Uh, watch Dave Ramsey videos, start to understand how to deal with money, how to work with money, how to do a side hustle, how to get real estate, whatever it is that you want to do. And maybe we'll talk about some of those in the days ahead. Some people say, I don't want to make a lot of money. I'm not sure I believe that. If I offered you a job making a lot of money saying you can continue to do what you're doing, most people would take it because they'd love to make more money. They say that everyone in America is $2,000 short of what they think would bring them great peace. Think about that. Everyone in America is $2,000 short. They, they say, if I could make $2,000 more a year, I'd feel greater happiness. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows what you'd end up spending the $2,000 on. But I, I don't. Let's, get, let's eliminate that. How much? And let's just say, let's move into the land of plenty. Let's go in the land of milk and honey. Even if there's drought, even if there's drought, we will not wither, but we will prosper, it says in Psalm 1, even in the midst of withering and bearing no fruit. We will bear fruit in and out of season. Rich people got their money illegally. People think that. It's a mind lock. It's just some people, I'm sure they did. Poor people are getting their money illegally too. What do you say about that? The poor are doomed to be poor. No, they're not. No, they're not. Jesus came. You know, let, let the uh, poor say I'm rich. Let the weak say I'm strong. I mean, the, the confession over your life is something bigger, is something broader, because you've already received the inheritance in your spirit. Activate that same power in the life that is around you. People will see it. They'll be drawn to it in the same way that someone gets drawn when they see physical healings in bodies. Miracles about finances are highly contagious. People love it. Let's begin to live the life that is plenty. Let's begin to live the life that is flourishing. Join me next week. Watch me Sunday on BethelCleveland.com whenever you're watching this. 
get up to date with us. But in the summer and fall of 2023, August and September and October, we dealt with finances. You won't want to miss it. And then catch my podcasts that follow up that same week. God bless. You have a good week and may this be a greatest week you've ever had. We rebuke these things that have been built up in your life. But I do more than that. I challenge you, tear these walls down. Mr. Gorbachev, take these this wall down. Whoever you are, Mr., Mrs., whatever, Miss, take these walls down and allow for a new fortress to be built into your life that brings glory to God made of living stones, your temple, your financial temple unto the Lord. May your finances bring pleasure to God. God bless you. I'll see you next time. Have a great week.